0: Once upon a time, there were two brothers who lived in Persia. Their names were Ali Baba and Kasim. And when their father died, they quickly, very fast, spent all of their money they inherited from him. But Kasim married a very wealthy woman and was able to provide for himself and set himself up as a successful merchant. Now, his brother Ali Baba married a poor woman, and he made his living selling firewood day by day. And Ali Baba was much poorer than his brother, Kasim. But then one day, Ali Baba was in the forest, and he was gathering wood, like he did every day, but he saw some horseback riders approach a cave, and they said the words, Open Sesame, and a doorway opens on the side of the rock. And the men, whom Alibaba realizes right away, are a group of 40 thieves, they go inside of the cave. And when they leave, Alibaba tries saying the words, open sesame. And guess what happens? A portal opens up in the cave, and Alibaba walks inside of this cave and finds it full of carpets and silks and coins. And he figures out that the men, of course, they're thieves, but they use this cave to keep the treasures they have stolen. Now, the thieves learn of this, and they try to kill Alibaba, But in fact, they end up actually killing his brother, Kasim, and chopping him into pieces. Then they... Go for Alibaba. But Alibaba has a faithful slave who stops and confuses their plans. And in fact, after this, after the thieves have been stopped, Alibaba gives his son to the slave girl in marriage and he keeps the secrets to the treasure. Now, this faithful slave girl was named Marjana and Marjana wasn't in a position of power, but she was the brave girl who showed courage when it was needed and even though she wasn't in a position of power, even though she was a female in a time where adult men dominated the landscape, her story was told, of course, in Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, which is a folktale, which was published in the book 1001 Nights in the 18th century. Now, there are things that occur in life that just doesn't make sense. They're unexplainable. And no matter how much you search or try to find an answer, maybe you don't. But the thing is this, you don't have to be in a position of power to make a positive or powerful contribution. In fact, even in the darkest of times, there are people who will rise up and make things better. That's the point, and that is what we can do even when the times don't make sense. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. I'm a curious, trying-to-be-compassionate leader who is the creator of the Stephen Thompson Experience, a podcast for leaders and followers, hopeful optimists, careful pragmatists, bold asserters, people who want to bend the arc of the universe towards justice. My goal is to use this platform to educate, inspire individuals, to use their gifts and talents in the services of others. Alibaba and the 40 Thieves is a folktale, but I also heard it in the song that we're going to talk about this week, Rhyming and Stealing by the Beastie Boys. And the song Rhyming and Stealing by the Beastie Boys was the first song on their album Licensed to Ill. And this track, this song, begins with a sample of John Bonham from Led Zeppelin in his introduction to the song, When the Levy Breaks. And Ryman Stealing also samples Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath and also The Clash's version of I Fought the Law. Now, one of the things about this song is that in the middle... The Beastie Boys begin to say, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. They shout this over and over and over, and you don't know why they do this. But it happens over and over and over and over. And it doesn't make any sense. Why in the middle of the song do the Beastie Boys keep saying Alibaba and the 40 Thieves? Because sometimes things just don't make sense. But even when they don't make sense, even when we don't understand, even when it seems that we have come up against a wall of adversity, what choices do we have in front of us? We can stop or we can continue. We can persevere. And through perseverance, even when things don't make sense, even when things look dark or hard or challenging... If we persevere, if we keep going, we can arrive at our greatest contribution or any contribution. Let's talk about this week Florence Beatrice Price. She was the first African-American woman, composer, and teacher to have a symphony performed by a major orchestra. Now, she was born in Little Rock, Arkansas in April of 1887, and we can fast forward in her life. She had moved to Chicago and her marriage fell apart. She was divorced and she began to have financial struggles. She tried marrying for a second time, didn't work out. So she lived in the home of one of her students. One of her students' names was Margaret Bonds. And the Bonds family was able to provide for Price and give Price more musical connections. In fact, Margaret's mother, Estella, was a very prominent figure in Chicago's music scene. And Estella Bond had been the first music critic of the Chicago Defender, which was a popular newspaper for the African-American community during the 1920s and the 1930s. So Price was now in her early 40s, and she began to write more and more instrumental music and composing large-scale orchestra pieces. And what she did is she submitted her first symphony, to the Rodman Wanamaker music contest in 1932. And in fact, when she did that symphony won first prize. And she submitted three pieces, a piano piece won third prize, her orchestra piece won fourth prize. And then some of her others gained honorable mention then Price also received $750, which today would be over $14,000. Now, winning that contest drew the attention of Frederick Stock, who had been the longtime conductor of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And even though Stock was born in Germany, He was a fan and an advocate for Americans who wrote symphony music. In fact, he made it a point to have at least one American composition on his programs. So he offered to conduct Price's symphony and invited her to attend the rehearsals. So on June 15th, 1933, Price's composition was played by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And it was the very first symphony by an African-American woman performed by a major orchestra. And in fact, also in this concert, Margaret Bonds, her student, made history as the first African-American soloist to perform with the orchestra. And after this, Price was able to get a lot of attention after playing at this concert. The Chicago Daily News wrote that the review was, the symphony was a faultless work, a work that speaks its own message with restraint and yet passion worthy of a place in the regular symphonic repertoire and then after that she wrote her first symphony then she wrote another piano concerto and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra played that concerto and Price was able to be the soloist in June of 1934. Even after she played that It got such great reviews that they gave it other additional performances and they allowed it to be performed with two pianos and Margaret Bonds, her student played along with her. So Price then after that composed her third symphony in the summer of 1938. And this symphony expresses the contemporary African-American life and the psychology. And this was performed by the Michigan Orchestra in November 6th of 1940. She also arranged music for Marian Anderson. And when Marian Anderson performed at the Lincoln Memorial, It was an arrangement of Prices, my soul is anchored in the Lord. And when Anderson sung that, she was able to bring Prices music to the ears of an integrated audience of at least 75,000 plus millions who heard her over the airwaves. And the troubling thing about all this is that even though she had all these historic performances, she was a female and she was of African American descent, she still faced a lot of opposition in her career. She even said herself, to begin with, I have two handicaps, those of sex and race. Unfortunately, she said the work of a woman composer is preconceived by many to be light, froth, lacking in depth, logic, and virility. Added to that, the incident of race, I have colored blood in my veins and you will understand some of the difficulties that confront one in such a position. But this is what Price said. But yet Price continued to write. She continued to put together symphonies. Perseverance in the face Of adversity paves the way for your life's work. What you will leave behind is your legacy as you keep going when it begins to get hard because you can always count on challenges and you can always count on adversity. Here's a tip on how you could face it. Perhaps an idea. I want to introduce an idea from The Beastie Boys. In the song, Rhyming and Stealing, here's a piece of it. They say, because mutiny on the bounty is what it's all about. I'm going to board your ship and turn it on out. No soft sucker with the parrot on his shoulder, because I'm bad getting bolder, cold getting colder, terrorizing suckers on the seven seas. So the idea at the beginning of the song is the Beastie Boys are taking on the role of a pirate taking over a ship. The idea of mutiny, taking over something. So we think, I think about the idea of mental mutiny, mental mutiny. You see, when I look around at news, news streams online and I hear commentators on TV, beaming pictures of disasters and calamities daily, the world seems scary. And then I can begin to feel dread. I can feel that dread in my stomach. It sits there like a brick, a brick that doesn't move. But you know what? Out of that brick comes negative thoughts, thinking something bad is going to happen to me. Something bad is going to happen to someone I love. Over and over, it continues until I believe that it is certain that it will happen. It becomes a sure thing. It feels real. I get scared. I get afraid. I get worried. I want to make plans to avoid it. But the truth is this. Those thoughts are not real. And this is where we need to have the mental mutiny. The feelings, yes, they are real. The sadness, the anger, the worry, that's real. But the thoughts generated are by me. Now, if this is true, then we have a chance. We have a chance to generate different thoughts, a chance to One, sit with the feelings and ask them, what is your purpose? Why are you here? Why are you present? And those feelings could be to heal you from past hurts. So listen to your feelings and and change your thoughts. And when you do that, that rock, that dread, it begins to weigh less and less. You see, that is the mental mutiny mutiny that you need. You see, the circumstances on the outside, they may or may not change. There are solutions to problems. Those solutions may or may not come. But I believe that we will have the strength to face what comes our way when we take the time to cultivate and activate the spirit inside of us. The spirit inside of us that overthrows that which is negative, that which is false. And instead, when we have that mutiny, that change, in our mindset, then we can move forward. We can contribute. We can rhyme and steal. We can steal those negative thoughts and throw them away. And we could rhyme the positive, the contribution, the hope, the willingness to make things better for someone else and better for those around us. This is Stephen Thompson, and this has been my experience. My goal today is to educate, it is to inform, and it is to inspire. And I hope that I've moved a bit in that direction. But if in some way I've offended or upset or triggered you, I apologize. It is never my intent. And right now, if you are a person who is facing loss or tragedy, I pray for you to have comfort and the support you need to help you face them. If you are happy, take time to be thankful for what you have. And remember that there are those out there who are battling right now. Feel free to reach out to me through the comments and leave an email address if you like to dialogue. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe. But until next time, have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.